Thank you, praise team. Indeed, God is sovereign over each of us. It was in May of uh, 2008, my wife and I boarded an airplane in Raleigh, 70 pounds each. We had two suitcases each. And the destination was Manila in the Philippines. Little did we know what the next two years held for the two of us. God supplied so many things. It would just take time on and on and on. We landed in Manila. I think it was 1020. I think every airplane in the world comes into Manila at 1020. Next morning, well, actually on, on the route to Word of Life, Philippines. To get into the camp, you drive down a narrow, narrow road. You take a left and you go down a dirt road. And my wife is thinking, where is this man bringing me? And then you come to the gate. And heaven opens up with that gate. What God has built there is impossible. Carved it out of the jungle. But we had the privilege of meeting a lot of folk working with a lot of folk those two years, and two of those folk are here today. Uh, they've become our missionaries, John and Sheila Abraham. I could tell you a lot about the two of them. Uh, one story quickly, and I need to get them on the platform. Sheila had to make a trip that first week, I don't know whether she remembers this or not, into Manila, of all things, to get anti-venom for cobra bite. And I thought, she asked me to go with her just to show us a little of the lay of the land. I said, where in the world? Bobby said, where? I say, where at this point? Sheila was a camp nurse. But let me, let me just get beyond those personal thoughts of uh, yesteryear. To a couple that they forever became a part of Dean and Bobby. I watched John open his heart to the staff. And the staff there is multiple, maybe 75 to 100 people that work at that camp, institute, and all that's involved there. But I watched John open his heart when there was a need and secretly, out of his own means, give. And he allowed Bobby and myself to be a part of that at times. So we're privileged this morning to have two who were brought to the United States as young people, saved here, and with a burden that God has given them, go back to the Philippines. And in transition since 2010, when we came home, watch them open a brand new field, Indonesia, for Jesus Christ. John and Sheila Abraham, it's a privilege to have you. Come and tell us what God has on your heart today. Well, good morning, church. Every time Pastor Dean speaks, we all cry. My wife's got crying right now. Uh, it's a privilege to be here. Uh, I remember 2003 when the Lord called us. We were just a young couple. We were sitting in the pew like you, and the Lord pointed his finger towards us. 
and told us to go back to the Philippines for 10 years and build a ministry. We didn't want to go. And you know, when you fight against God, guess who's going to win? <laughs> God did. So we said yes. And 10 years later, he said to pioneer Word of Life Indonesia. Now, from where we live in Dayon, we saw the both Twin Towers go down. And we heard about the Muslims and the negative thoughts about the Muslims. And Indonesia is the most populated Muslim country in the world. And when the Lord called us to go there, we said, fought against him again. And we said no, and guess who won? <laughs> 2017, we started Word of Life Indonesia. And you're a partner with it. Every struggle, every blessing that we, we've had, you've been a part of it. You've been supporting us. And today, we're here to update you. Our children is not here. Our children goes to school in Indonesia online. Everything pretty much still online in Indonesia. And tonight is Monday morning in Indonesia, so they need to sleep so they could be up at 9 and because it's 8 o'clock in Indonesia, 9 o'clock here. And it, they end school at 4, 4 a.m., so they, they're going to be up all night. So you pray for them. The lineup we're going to have today is um, Sheila's going to talk about this short video of our update of the ministry that's blossoming in Indonesia. And then she'll talk about it. Then I'll come up and talk about a short PowerPoint. And then I'll come and preach. So the video first. We have the opportunity to minister to the locals through our English ministry. We call it our Peter ministry. So how does this English ministry connect to LCM and other departments? We teach them English for an hour, and the remaining 30 minutes are dedicated to Bible reading and study. We start teaching them from Genesis to lay out a good foundation and basis for their faith. For an hour and a half each week of English class that we offer, we are gaining so much more. We now have a lot of contacts from all over the country, including some pastors and church workers. We are able to promote the ministry and build our contact database. We are able to practice our local language, gain new friends, be exposed to their culture, and most importantly, build relationships for possible future partnerships in this field. Aside from the Bible part during the English cafe, students are also offered another session purely on discipleship. The students were not forced to join. They have to sign up for the discipleship session separately. During this one hour and a half of purely Bible teaching, we emphasize the importance of having a daily quiet time, doctrinal Bible study, prayer time, accountability, personal evangelism, and leadership. Some of the students became class translators already which is amazing. Indonesia is the largest archipelago having 17,500 islands with three time zones. It has a population of 270 million people. Even without the pandemic, their culture alone and close-mindedness to change are already great obstacles. Visiting a church few times will not help. It has to be someone from the inside who will vouch for the program to be even considered by the pastor or the board. Having students from different churches all over Indonesia is a great foundation in establishing local church ministries here. Relationship is everything in this country. God has blessed us with a lot of students. In a span of just six months, we grew from 14 students to almost 250 students, from a single church to 85 churches. The potential of this ministry is great. Just imagine the pool of young people and young professionals availing the program right now. Students in the discipleship classes were being trained to be future leaders of their own small groups. They will be the future leaders of their churches. We are reaching out to the next generation of Indonesian church leaders through this platform. Some of them have expressed their desire to study in a Bible school or organize a camp in their church when the pandemic is over. We praise God for this platform that allows us to do evangelism and discipleship as well as train leaders for the next generation. Hello, my own? Yes. The, as of last week, the Lord has given us 300 students, and it is a two-year-old uh, ministry, and we didn't realize that the Lord is going to use it in this way. 
and um, doing foreign missions here in USA is possible through online teaching ministry. And this was made possible because of one local church who opened uh, their doors to us. And in Indonesia, uh, it is very hard to get in, uh, especially as a Christian organization in a Muslim-dominated country. Uh, if you did not, if you did not catch it, the most populated Muslim nation is not in the Middle East. It's in Indonesia, and that's why we're there. And um, so this, and it being the Muslim nation that it is, they're suspicious, especially of new organizations. And that's why building relationship is, very, is, is a key. And as we build relationship with them, uh, we are opening our hearts to them and gaining their trust. And it is through this relationship that we are able to share with them the gospel. Otherwise, uh, they would turn us in. Uh, if you share the gospel, to a, to a Christian, Catholic, Buddhist, or Hindu, or Confucianist, you would be okay. But once you go across the side of the Muslim fence, that's when they get stick, it gets sticky. And you could go to jail. We could go to jail for doing that. So that's why we are, um, but you know, there's, there are ways to go around it. And we, we're four, we've been four, there, four years there already, so we realize that we can talk to people um, through relational evangelism. And uh, so this local church in, in the midst of three universities uh, is very strategic to uh, what we're doing and eventually what the Lord would do uh, through online teaching ministry. So most of, in this local church, most, if not all of their members of their congregation are young adults. Um, in that country, if you know how to speak English, uh, your pay grade it gets a little bit higher. So their motivation for coming to us is purely economic. So once we opened up on online teaching, now not, at that point, it was not online yet. Uh, it was face-to-face. -face. We realized that uh, they had not only them, but their friends who wanted to teach English. So, I mean, to learn English. So we use that as you know, a bait to draw them to Christ. And if they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, to, to go one-on-one -on -one and share with them the, the gospel that way. So the, the first 14 students that we had wanted to invite their friends and then they're Muslim friends, they're Muslim neighbors. So we realize, you know, we're not prepared for this. So what we're doing is we're improving as we go along. Because I'm not an English uh, major or a teacher by profession. I was a nurse. And none of us actually are uh, English majors. But, you know, we use this as a platform to reach the Indonesians with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our program uh, is eight weeks long and 90 minutes each week, and it's night and day. So when, when it's like 8 o'clock here, it's 7 o'clock there. So that, that's the best time to teach them. But we realized that while we were talking to the students, they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, they, we asked them through a survey how how do you know you're a Christian? And we would get answers like, because uh, we were born as a Christian. I've been a Christian since, my, since I was born. And you know, that, that's not how to become a Christian. And then they also believe that being baptized is how you become a Christian. Now in Indonesia, there are no atheists. No, no atheist is a category because once you are born, your parents have to uh, declare what religion you are in. So there's no atheist in Indonesia. So anyway, so they're Christians because they were born into a Christian family or they've been baptized. And then we also realize that they are not sharing the gospel, the, the most amazing, transforming uh, news of the world that changed my life and my husband is not being shared in that country. So we had a great work ahead of us. But you know, we realized that 
as long as we are just faithful to the ones that God has already given us, that the Lord would give the increase. So from 14 to last week, uh, we met that we have reached, the Lord has given us 300 students now. So what we do is we sh teach them the English, and then last 30 minutes we share with them uh, the s truth about God's word in relation to that topic. So four weeks of that, then they realize, you know, we're not out to harm them or we just want to help them. But we tell them that more, you know, our desire is not only to teach you English, our greater desire is for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So four weeks is when we map, we, we try to see where they are spiritually, and then if they don't, they're not saved, that's where we share the gospel. And if they are not sharing the gospel, if they're a Christian, then we, uh, we challenge them to come to our discipleship class because they probably don't know what it means. So not only are, do they need a relationship with Christ, but they need to grow. So it has been wonderful to see uh, young men and women coming to see the coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and are also sharing and leading their own discipleship groups. So we're very excited about that. But with the growth, we are also needing some volunteers. So if the Lord has um, is speaking to you in terms of being a part of foreign mission and you don't have to raise support you don't have to leave your the comforts of your home if you want to do that and reach the Indonesians uh, through teaching English online um, we are here to give you information so if you are interested if the Lord is tugging at your heart if you want to be part of that please come and see us but our um, English cafe has already started we we have eight weeks per term and so maybe not this term but maybe we're if you're looking to teach next term it is uh, possible the only question is are you willing you don't have to have a teaching degree or um, English major degree at that but if you are willing you have a zoom you have a good stable connection um, you know you can uh, you can impact young Indonesians for the gospel thank you very much So, so this time, uh, we will, I will talk about a short PowerPoint of the update and the great need that we have. One of them is Sheila has mentioned, uh, if you want to get involved with, in the lives of a young man or a young Indonesian woman, uh, if you're a woman, we'll hook you up and you will teach conversational English. Uh, they already know English. Uh, you're just going to practice their conversation. That leads into gospel presentation, uh, Bible study uh, all the time. So if you are, let Sheila know we're here for two weeks. And let me talk to you about uh, Word of Life Indonesia. This is us. This is when we arrived. Indonesia, Indonesia is the land of the batik. So these are just the, the uniform. Uh, our oldest is David. Let me throw to you a little Bible quiz. Uh, my first name is Jonathan because we're all in the book of First Samuel. With the last name Abraham, we thought of keeping it biblical. <laughs> Isn't that right, Pastor Dean? So who is Jonathan's best friend? David. He's our oldest. And David's prophet is Nathan. So he's our second. And the prophet who ordained him to be the king, Samuel. And then there was a godly woman there named Abigail. So I asked my wife, honey, the husband that I am, honey, I think we should change your name so we're in 1 Samuel. And she said, what comes into your mind? I said, of course, Bathsheba. And she said, that's, 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 that's just not going to happen. So the expense of my wife, that's our ice break. 
Uh, it's a short PowerPoint because you guys are already supporting us. But there's two things that could uh, be part of God's work in Indonesia. The first, invite, involve, ask. Uh, we invite you to pray with us. Uh, Sheila and the videos might show that we have it uh, all figured out. Uh, we started in 2017 without legal papers in Indonesia. And the government is controlled by the Muslims, so they could shut us down anytime. We are working, we're very close to getting our per permit to run ministry in Indonesia. As Sheila mentioned, this is a Muslim country that allowed uh, five other major religions in the country. And that's awesome. And because of that, we have uh, a way to get a permit, and we're doing that right now. Pray with us. Uh, anytime we share the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our faith, uh, we stand in a chance of being uh, stoned or, or being or kicked out or told because there's a law in Sharia law, in the Muslim law, that you cannot share your faith to a Muslim. But if they're open to uh, know about our faith, of course we share. There's five teammates that as the field coordinator of Water of Life Indonesia, uh, we're raising funds. They're just starting. Uh, they're an asset to our ministry because uh, the women are ministering to the young women. And they've studied the Bahasa, so they're communicating. And the two men are Indonesian. One of them, we're hoping to be the next director of Board of Life. You notice I'm kind of slow, or if you read in your newsletter, uh, a few years ago, 2019, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. So at 59, and you add it all up, five years later, I need to hand over the reins to one of the Indonesian men. I thought he had picture. Uh, involved, join us. Uh, there was a church from North Carolina, Hatsiba uh, Bible Church in Wendell. Pastor Aaron, I don't know if you know him. Pastor Aaron came with a team of uh, individuals and helped us run the camp. So, Pastor, we invite you, uh, when all, whenever this craziness is done, you come and bring some young people with you and see what the Lord is doing. So be involved. If you want to teach, it's only an hour and a half. An hour and a half per week, eight weeks of just conversing to a young person. Or financially support us if you do. Regular giving or monthly, quarterly, or yearly. Um, there's things here that I need to put down. I told Sheila our needs because we're just starting out. Uh, we have LCM materials that need to be translated from English to Bahasa. So I don't know the total price of that, but if you want to give a little that. Uh, we're renting a small office in Jakarta. Uh, that's $200 rent a month. Uh, legal fees for establishing the ministry, and that's what we're doing. Uh, we have Zoom Pro. The only way we could minister to online is through Zoom. And then we're also raising for local church ministry fees. So those are that are our needs. And I want you to open your Bible to the book of Philippians. This is the first time I'm preaching at this church. So I'm a little, little nervous. And in front of some Southern folks, me being a part of the Yankee state, 
you all, uh, we're hearing a lot. And up north, we say you. You's going to church. So we're going to talk about the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, since we came home in June, and we thought of going home in June because May was the Muslim Holy Week. And the Muslims pray five times a day, something that we could learn from the Muslims. So they go to these mosques and fill it up. The government is saying, slow down, uh, space yourself. They don't. They're, they pray next to each other in the midst of this COVID. And after that, because they fast all day, they will come together again and eat in the evening around 6 o'clock. So for us to order any food at 6, we don't because they'll never get to us because the restaurants are full. And so we knew that. So we took a flight out of Jakarta June 1, and June 2, we had our first shot. In the end of June, uh, after the biggest spike in India, the biggest spike came to in Indonesia. Of all the countries, Indonesia became number one. Uh, we knew it. We got out of there. Uh, but it's getting better, as we are told. But in the midst of this, and I did a set of messages regarding the ministry and what's going on in Indonesia. In the midst of the COVID situation, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ continues on in Indonesia. It's unbelievable. Uh, the number one Muslim country in the world, the furtherance of the gospel is going forward. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I, I believe that we could find lessons this morning in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 12 to 19. Verse 12 to 19. You guys gonna, or, okay. All right, I'll give it to my wife, because to speak and to do this and click. So I just, we just sent our newsletter, our third quarter newsletter. And here, I believe Paul is, is updating the supporting church in Philippi. So we know the author is Paul. This was written during 60 AD and 63. He's not a, in a place where He's free. He is in uh, house arrest, and that's very important, house arrest in Rome. He's writing to the saints in Philippi, and in verse 1, it says bishops and also deacons. So he's updating the church, and in chapter 4, verse 14 to 17, here tells us that the church is not only praying for them, but also financially supporting them. He, he thanked them and tells them that his imprisonment in Rome has benefited the gospel ministry. And I want to tell you that in the midst of the COVID situation, the gospel of Jesus Christ in Indonesia is moving forward. People guarding him came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Also, the Christian brethren in Rome became bored bolder to share their faith. These are all done in the circumstances that seem impossible to do. Uh, 20, 20 March, we were with one church. Strategic in location because around it are three major universities. And there are Christians in these universities that goes to this church. So every Monday, we teach them the Bible through teaching them English. And then everything got shut down. 
and I wrote to the churches, the supporting individuals, to pray for wisdom and how we could stay in this country and continue the ministry. And the Lord, the Lord provided online. So from one church, because coming into a church, we cannot walk on the front door just like the American churches and introduce ourselves. You just can't do that in Indonesia. You have to know somebody inside to tell the pastor about Word of Life ministry. So from one church to 85 churches, these students that were teaching English goes home to their churches, 85 of them, and tells about Word of Life ministry. And now we could enter our church and introduce Word of Life ministry. So, so now we're involved with 85 uh, churches. Online, uh, when we, when the COVID ceased, we will go and visit them. Uh, it showed there that Indonesia is made out of 17,500. Uh, Pastor Dean, Philippines made out of 7,000 islands. Indonesia is 17,500 islands. And so we're going to get busy visiting these churches in Java, in Sumatra Island, in Papua. So Paul updates the church in Philippi and telling them what's going on. Word of Life ministry in Indonesia had to change. We'd have to adhere to God's wisdom and how to minister to the young people after everything got shut down. The blessing of this is humongous. We have people getting saved. Uh, we tell them the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no longer do they believe they're Christians because their parents put in their birth certificate they're a Christian or because they were baptized. They're Christians because they believe by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. He saved them from their sin. And the other blessing of that is out of the 200 students, 80 of them signs up for disciples. 80, that's 40%. Uh, Sheila challenged one of the uh, visiting churches in the earlier this year. And she asked, and this is our home church, she asked the pastor, Pastor, do we have anyone being discipled in our church? And he said, none. And so if this was just one, but it is 80 students, this is big. This is beyond just teaching them English. This is getting into the word of God every week and help them grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, it's just moving forward. In the scriptures, in chapter 1, we could tell in some of the verses that where Paul is focused on. And we are focused on the gospel. In verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 7, even as it is to me, me, for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my mind or in my heart, inasmuch as both in bonds and in the different defense and confirmation of the gospel. It's also mentioned in verse 12, in verse 17. Twice in verse 27. In fact, when the books that Paul wrote in the New Testament, there's a total of 72 times that he has mentioned the word gospel. So he's focused on the gospel. I like this quote by somebody. He says, Paul modeled for us the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ does not depend upon the circumstances. 
we proclaim the message of the gospel despite the circumstances. So continue on in in First Peter chapter three verse fifteen. But sanctify the Lord in your heart, and always be ready to give defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you and the meekness with meekness and fear. Indonesia, despite the pandemic, the gospel is going forward. That's great news. I'll ask for clapping, but it's not common to do that. We give all the glory to God. There are young people receiving the salvation of Jesus Christ. Um, you say, Muslims? There are some, but there's a little bit. Uh, Indonesians? Uh, Buddhists? Catholics? Many. But the Muslims, we are very careful because, first of all, we're legally there and they might tell. Second of all, their Sharia law is not to share your faith. But there are those who are open for it. Uh, these are people who now are reconciled to God and now members of the family of God. Let's go through what Paul is telling us. In verse 14, 12 to 14, Paul shares the gospel regardless of the circumstances. Paul shares the gospel regardless of circumstance. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Amazing. So that it has become evident in the whole palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This verse is a topic sentence for all that follows through in Philippians chapter 1, verse 26. Whenever Paul writes and you read his writing, I want you to know, and here he says it again in in the beginning of verse 12. It means to listen up. It's like before a football game, the coach will gather the team and say, listen up, gather up. This is what we're going to do. And everybody listens. And Paul is encouraging the believers in Philippi to listen up. I want you to know. Because maybe the church is thinking that uh, Paul's imprisonment had brought the church down or the church is in a standstill. And Paul is telling them it's not. It's, it's not even just standing still. It's not moving sideways or backwards. It's moving forward. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. So Paul's imprisonment is really a good thing because the result is positive regarding the gospel. The point after that is Paul faced dark circumstances. He was a prisoner in Rome. Once again, he is in a house arrest, and that's a good thing. And we'll find out later. Because he is surrounded with the palace guards, who is also the emperor's household. So he has an audience of many. The book's theme is Paul's joy at the mere thought of Philippian church is undeniable in the letter that it's the same joy that he wanted the recipients to possess as well. Now, don't be sad of what's going on with me. The gospel is being preached. Paul's used his, his dark circumstances to witness. 
Who's he witnessing to? He's witnessing, witnessing to the guards, the imperial guards. He's also witnessing to the household. He says, guards and others, meaning the household. I mentioned the house arrest. It means that Paul was free to proclaim the gospel. If he was in a jail by himself, he couldn't do that. And in the book of Acts, in verse 16, now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Opportunity to share the gospel. Another opportunity, verse 23. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemn testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and of the prophets from morning till evening. All day, he's given opportunity to preach. Verse 31. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him, no one telling him to stop, continue on. So the Philippians was led by Paul to know who Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is. Paul witnessed to the elite guards of Rome in verse 13. The Praetorian Guard probably refers to the soldiers who were members of the regiment assigned to guard many high-ranking officials in the Roman government. Through the Praetorian Guard was also a place. These soldiers are all responsible to guard prisoners who had to appeal to Caesar. They would have to be Paul in, in his hired house where he was under house arrest. So they were present. And this is opportunity to share the gospel to these guards. Dr. Robertson said, there are original 10,000 of these picked soldiers concentrated in Rome by Tiberius. They had double pay and special privilege and became so powerful that the emperors had to court their favor. Paul conflict, had contact with one after another of these soldiers. Honey, could you give me the water? I didn't know I had water here, Pastor. Is this mine? Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, the actually the other one is open already. So Paul witnessed by encouraging believers to be more fearless witness. This part of the scripture, I, I'm just totally encouraged. Because of Paul's imprisonment, there are those who are encouraged of the gospel by preaching them. He found out there were Roman Christians who got aggressive in preaching the gospel. Paul didn't hold no personal jealousy nor desire for credit. In verse 15 to 18, some indeed preach Christ even when, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add conflict to my chain, but the latter out of love, which is good, knowing that 
I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So there are two types of those who preach the gospel. There are those who wanted to advance their reputation by their activities. Maybe they got jealous of Paul, the number one Christian or the evangelist. Second, there are those who had sincere desire to reach the lost. Others preach Christ with jealousy and contention, contention spirit, hoping to cause trouble for Paul. Some of them are, had self-seeking opportunities, are opportunists. Evidently, some of them thought that they had prominence that would distress Paul, as his prominence distressed them, but Paul was less selfish than they are. But still, others preach in love. They supported Paul. These Christians who demonstrated proper motivation. Paul rejoiced in one thing. Christ was being preached, whether from false motives or true motives. He asked, what then? In New King James Version, it, it's what then? In the NIV, what does it matter? It means. While motivation is important, it is even more important that the gospel gets proclaimed. People with different motives to preach Christ than they that they not preach at all. And Paul is saying this, that it doesn't matter as long as the, the, the gospel is being preached, whether it's in good motives or bad motives. The power of the gospel, therefore, does not depend upon the character of the preacher. It depends upon their heart. He rejoiced and would continue to rejoice that his imprisonment has resulted to more extensive proclamation of the good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Someone wrote, Dr. Wearsby wrote, when you have the single mind, you look upon your circumstances as God-given opportunities for the furtherance of the gospel. You rejoice of what God is going to do instead of complaining about what God did not do. In verse 12 through 18, Paul here presents a model for all believers. Rather than valuing his own comfort and reputation, and freedom above all else, he put the advancement of God's plan, God's kingdom, first. Paul, I believe, it means that people with different motives to preach Christ is good than not preach it at all. I remember as a young Christian, I would spend time in Journal Square. Journal Square is in Jersey City, and it's the hub for Jerseyans to, who works in New York City to commute. And after work, I would run over there with my book bag full of tracts and share the gospel. And sometimes I would ask, am I in good motive here? Was I ready to preach the gospel? Maybe not, but I was there sharing the gospel. When I got my master's degree in the Bible at PBU, Dr. Um, 
Earl Rodmacher, who's the chief editor of Nelson's Bible Study. I took him, he's my teacher at hermeneutics. And I like to speak in evangelism using the verse Revelations 3.20. And in front of the class, in a way, he embarrassed me by correcting me. He said, John, is that verse talking about evangelism, sharing the word of God? What is it? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. This is not talking about evangelism. It's talking about a church in the book of Revelation, Laodicean, Laodicean church. I remember the time when Charles Madden, he's a missionary evangelist, we were asked to go after a few weeks after 9-11 happened. And we were told to bring a towel. And in Church Street, which is just a few blocks from the site, you could still smell the burning. There were people there crying and wanted answers. And we opened our Bible and shared our faith. And then we found out why we needed the towel, because they started spitting at us or throwing water from their water bottle at us. So were we ready for that? No. But we still went and shared the gospel. Did we have the answer for the Muslim? when they asked us, what's the difference between the Quran and the Christian Bible? No, not completely, but we were there and shared the word of God. So Paul is right. I believe Paul believed that it was better for people with different motives or being unprepared to preach the gospel than they not go, go at all. Yes, yes, we are careful. We know our doctrine. Yes, we are careful that we know what the Bible says. But we could never say we are not ready. You could share your faith through your testimony and share the gospel that way. So Paul shares the gospel regardless of circumstances. Paul holds no personal jealousy nor desire for credit. And last point is Paul possesses the, insur the assurance of a better or happy ending, which is salvation. Verse 19, for I know that this will turn out for the deliverance, salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. When we first came out, we asked people, that it's more important for you to pray for us than to support us. And Paul here gives number one to prayer. Pray for the missionary. The word this is probably the thing that happened to Paul, which he had just been referring to in the latter verses or the verses before. This is probably what Paul is talking about is the thing that's happening to him as a prisoner of Rome. Salvation is the deliverance from danger and suffering. The word carries the idea of victory and preservation. What the deliverance did for Paul was, was in mind his physical deliverance from a prisoner in Rome. 
Both prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ were necessary for this deliverance. It was important for him, for the church he's writing to, to pray for him, to be delivered through prayer, intercessory prayer, through the Holy Spirit. Paul referred to the Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Perhaps he did so because he had been thinking of Jesus Christ as the one whom we will appear to after our years of sanctification, when we will step into glorification. Many times that we came to visit here, we will see um, many who's now gone home with the Lord. And today I see, I don't see those people. Their sanctification being set apart in this world has ended. And there's spending glorification with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's awesome. I'd like to challenge you with three things and how to apply what we learned this morning. Paul reminded us that do not let circumstances stop us from sharing our faith. I could have called Word of Life and said, that's it, we're shut down. Uh, three of our missionaries, was sent back to Philippines because their visa ran out. So they, they went back to Philippines. We cannot visit this church anymore, this one church that gives us ministry. We cannot do camping ministry because there's no one-on-one. -on -one. Churches and Christian schools are closing. The very people that we minister to. I could have told Don Locke, who's the executive director right now, that we're heading out too. And I'm sorry, but there's nothing we could do with Word of Life Indonesia. They're pulling us out. Don't let circumstances stop you from sharing the gospel. Pray. We ask people to pray for us. And then God opened English for Life ministry. And instead of one churches, we have 85 churches. And instead of 14 students that we see out of those three major universities, we just found out this term, we have 300. We've been averaging 200. And 40% of those were being disciples weekly with our staff. From nothing to something. So don't let circumstances stop you from sharing the gospel. Pray for opportunities to share your faith. Pray. There's so many. Don't be content of the people that we have in our churches. Maybe one day when we come back, instead of worshiping here in this church, Pastor, you're at the gym, an expanded version, because you cannot occupy any more people here. So pray for opportunities. Then pray for us as we labor in the mission field to deliver the message of salvation. Three things that you could do for us, challenges from what we have learned this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for speaking to our heart. We pray, Lord, that you continue to minister to us and help us to open our mouth and share the gospel to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors. That your name would be all, would be glorified.
and don't let let us help us to not subside being a Christian because of the circumstances that is before us. We thank you and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.